Here we are. First gaming interview here. We're still trying to figure out a good name. I'm not quite sure uh -huh. yet what I want. You know, I don't want to freaking call something out and then three weeks later be like, nah, it was a terrible idea. Yeah. It'll come at a moment of inspiration. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But during this crazy quarantine time in life, I figure we can use Animal Crossing to our advantage and do our uh, interviews via the virtual realm. So I am stoked for you to be here. Mm. Um, yeah, so Wes, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Now, uh, the general feel I'm going for is, you know, gaming as a whole. But uh, I'll ask you, you know, pretty specific questions about your experience with gaming, um, okay. and then we'll kind of we'll kind of get into the culture and ethos of gaming from there. Uh, so, what if you remember was the first video game you ever played? Hundred percent remember it. Um, back when I was younger, when you went to the dentist or the mall or something, they would be like a Nintendo sixty four in a big plastic box. Oh, I love it. Um, I don't remember the game actually, but I remember playing the Nintendo 64 mm. and just being completely like mesmerized by it. Um, and then the first time I got into gaming was at Christmas where I asked for one. My parents kept saying, no, 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 no. And then of course I wake up that morning and it was there and I was like ecstatic. Uh, we had the original Smash Bros 64. I love um, that. and then a little niche classic called Buck Bumble. Have you heard of that one? Uh, I believe so. I'm pretty sure I have it downstairs yeah, it's it's like you're a bee and you fly around only you have a laser cannon on your arm and you pick <laughs> up other guns and you like fought other insects um it was kind of absurd i don't remember the story but i remember there was a game mode where you played soccer and <laughs> picture rocket league but with bees and cannons and it was it was awesome way oh ahead of its gosh. time i love it i love it so much yeah i remember uh, in a similar vein we used to go to mcdonald's and they'd mm. have game cubes in the same kind of plastic boxes and it was always like sonic heroes or like some multiplayer sonic game but the like buttons were all missing from the controllers yeah. or like they're <laughs> you know super janky um so yeah i i love that that's awesome um now i know I know you personally, so I know you have a, a plethora of games you've played. But if you had to pick one, what would your favorite genre of games be? Oh, my. Um, I think I'm always going to be playing shooters. Uh, the first game yeah. I got really into was Halo 2. Okay. Um, my dad picked that up for me, and it came with the Xbox Live subscription, which totally oh, wow. changed like yeah how I view gaming. So that was the first game I really got like good at and sunk my teeth into. So I think I would stick with shooters. I find them to be, like, a competition is fun. You know, we play together yeah. um, all these different games when you win a round in Valorant or you're in a chicken dinner in PUBG. Yeah. It's just fun to be with your friends. So I'll probably play those um, as long as I live. Yeah. Um, and then RPGs here and there with people. But if I'm picking one by myself to play forever, be online FPS. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can totally get behind that. Uh, I used to tell people that if you wanted to play with your friends, you should get a 360. And if you wanted to play solo games, get a PlayStation 3. Because PlayStation had so many more RPGs 
but their online scene I, I felt at the time wasn't as good when you know yeah. Halo Three and Halo Reach came out, and um, but I think Xbox really was on top of it. So in in that vein, you know, I obviously had a feeling you're going to say FPS, but are you excited that Halo has been moved to the PC? Yeah, I mean, I have joined the master race of the PC gamers uh, since 2015. Mm. So the only thing that was a drawback for me, like I didn't really want to play The Last of Us or Uncharted, so I never got a PlayStation. But I always miss playing Halo mm. um, when I switched over. So having the Master Chief Collection finally on Steam is great. Halo 2 comes out on Tuesday, so I'm going to relive my 6th and 7th grade years. Um, pawning noobs on Lockout. It's going to be great. It. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure we will have some uh, content to put up of us stonking on some noobs. Mm-hmm. I love it. Now, online play, you have a couple different account names. I'm not going to obviously out your account names, but one that I've seen often, and I have no clue where it came from, Swaggy Sheepdog. What What's the word behind that? Um, well, swag is a, was a word that came around probably like when I was in college and people were using it all the time. Um, I think it is the perfect word to describe like when you're comfortable with yourself and you don't mind, you know, what people think of you. You just sure. got that swag um, and you're going to flaunt it. And then sheepdog, because I think that police memes, uh, making fun of people who refer to police as sheepdog, is hilarious. Um, <laughs> some people that take that seriously, they, oh, I am literally like the protector of the world right. and these people. And like, it's just too much. So I do that ironically. I don't use swag ironically. That is a word okay. that I like a okay. lot. So swaggy sheepdog. Um, put them together. Alliteration's always good. And it go. was so I stuck with it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I remember my account for a lot of things is Zelda and Link, and it used to be Zelda and Link forever. And the only reason that's my account name for things is because when AOL Instant Messenger came out, I could not think of an account name, and Mm -hmm. Glenn just came to my room, and he's like, dude, this is your account name. And he typed in Zelda and Link forever. (laughs) (laughs) And it's literally been my account for, I don't know, like, what, 15 years now? Yeah, see, so. I'm looking at Discord right now, and there it is. Yeah, yep. It's just always my input for things, uh, and it's all because of freaking AOL Instant Messenger. Mm-hmm. So, Those yeah. were the days. Yeah, dude, for sure. Uh, that's why, like, I, you know, I for a long time, I've, I wanted to know what the influence behind the Swaggy Sheepdog was. So that's good to know. There's, you know, there's some meaning behind it. Yeah, I just like when I have any, like you know the other ones that I have I generally google them I think yeah. like a funny thing that I came up with or whatever and if it's not there I'll probably take it yeah yeah uh so you just talked a bit about Valorant and you know we play PUBG and are starting to play Valorant now but how do you feel about uh esports and streamers making careers out of video games uh, I think it's awesome I really wish that I would have had the foresight when I was younger to see this coming, but I guess nobody did. Like, you know, a lot of streamers are pro gamers who then change career paths a little bit. Um, so I don't think it's for everybody, but I think it's a good thing. If there's a market for it and, you know, they're not hurting anybody, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just doing what they love and seeing yeah. it. Um, you know, no, yeah, not only am I for it, I think it's incredible. Like, yeah, it's so good that people get to be able to do this um, for money Um hopefully forever it looks like gaming's not going anywhere it's only getting larger yeah. as a community and a culture yeah so i'm happy for them no i'm i yeah i feel very similar to that but with 
so with that idea of gaming becoming larger and kind of where we are right now with this pandemic and being inside, do you think that we'll see a spike in esports since normal sports are kind of getting kicked by the whole virus? I think that we might see a slight increase, but it's already pretty big. Um, I know. I think when I was in college, oh, I know when I was in college, but I think that year that the League of Legends tournament, like the World Championship, mm, happened. Yeah. Um, that was the first year they had more viewers concurrently than the Super Bowl. Wow. So that was like five or six years ago. Yeah. So I think this will definitely get some more people into it, but the people who are into it are already into it. Um, the people who are against it, I don't think, are going to be swayed in this generation. Um, sure. Maybe like our children and definitely our children's children will mm. be watching them more than regular sports, but uh, not anything major because of the pandemic. Yeah, sure. If anything is going to hurt it because pros can't really play together and, you know, not having a large arena full of people screaming and all those B-roll shots um, isn't going to make for a very interesting tournament for most people to watch. Sure. Yeah. No, I understand that. Now that's a really great segue because I, I want to talk about how, we're kind of the generation we're kind of that like the little middle generation of where we weren't necessarily raised on video games but we kind of grew up with them mm -hmm. and now there are you know 12 year olds 15 year olds even really 18 year olds who like they were born in the year 2000 and video games are already a prominent thing um whether it's you know gta or something as benign as animal crossing the those games existed when they were born and i i wonder how those things are affecting kids uh, you know mm -hmm. we see in media all the time like oh violent video games are increasing violence in real life um i don't know if i agree with that but i'm interested on, on your take there do you think there's a correlation between violent video games and increased violence in real life I think that there are isolated cases where somebody might go on a shooting spree and say, oh, Grand Theft Auto. Um, mm. And I also think that in those cases, like that person is just generally doing a bad thing sure. um, and they may not be able to control themselves. They may have other underlying issues um, that are actually the cause of the problem. And GTA is just sort of a like catalyst for it. Um, sure. And, you know, it could be video games. It could be like their dog biting them it could be somebody wronging them in real life but no matter what um i think something could set them off and video games aren't the only thing sure. um and actually i would say that the strategy you learn from real-time games the teamwork you learn from the games that we play um communication that is all skills you can build up while playing video games you don't have to you know sit in a room and read books forever you can do uh, games with your friends and you know as you can see in this quarantine in your yeah. experience probably with us like we haven't really felt any more distant than we normally are even though we live 500 miles away from each other right um we're just playing more video games that's a good thing yeah uh one little anecdotal thing i'm a law enforcement officer you know yeah um in my academy i was the best shooter in our class mm. and i had shot handguns once before the academy like casually with a friend wow. um and then we had a little scenario where someone had to be a bad guy. And the instructor was like, hey, who's the best shooter in the class? And I was like, oh, that was me, sir. I got the perfect score. And he was like, oh, cool. Were you like army? Like, what did you do? I was like, no, sir, just Counter-Strike. And like, he didn't laugh. Wow. But I thought it was hysterical. And yeah. everyone else laughed with me because, yeah. you know, hand-eye coordination. There's a point to be right. made there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm 
constantly shocked by Valorant has really kind of opened my eyes to it. I I'd never really gotten to CS:GO because I got in too late. Um, I I've always been an RPG guy, and mm -hmm. I love competitive shooters. Pretty recently, actually, like Halo Reach, I think was the first one I ever played. But playing Valorant, I'm realizing like the levels of people's skill when it comes to just annihilating other players <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and i you know i think i had a game a couple days ago where it was like 13 and zero in the other direction like we had not won a single match and they won every single one and i was like i just can't i couldn't keep up so mm -hmm. it's definitely there is something to be said for sure about the hand-eye coordination now switching slightly uh i i want to talk about the idea of indie games versus games made by big developers. I think mm -hmm. relatively recently we've seen a, a spike in good development games. I mean, Animal Crossing kind of ruined the world. I don't know if it's because of, <laughs> we're all trapped inside that Animal Crossing exploded the way it did, or if this many people were really waiting for Animal Crossing. But before Animal Crossing and Valorant, uh, so many of the conventions and conferences about gaming were like Cuphead and, you know, Dark Souls in, in a sense that like these huge corporations weren't producing these games. It was more like smaller developers, people with, with passion. Like, how do you feel about those two things coinciding? I think that the uh, prominence of indie games now is, can't be anything but good for the community. Mm. Um, like you said, you've seen it with Cuphead, um, Streets of Rogue that we play together, yeah. um, even Vermintide to some extent with such a small dev team. Um, you see these games that just get love from the people who make them, and that means that the game's going to endure. Uh, you're not just going to play it for a month or two and you know get some garbage product out of it like uh, most recent installments of modern shooters that you have seen recently. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, they come out, it's just a money grab, the game dies, and that's it. Uh, that's sad. But Animal Crossing, uh, other games, like... I, I don't want to say Animal Crossing, because Nintendo's freaking huge. But I think it's sure. a labor of love for Nintendo, too. Sure. Um, you just see these developers who actually care, and they want to succeed, and they listen to their people, and it's a very good thing for everybody. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've been very encouraged by the prominence of, of indie developers. And even, you know, Nintendo as, as a huge corporation, I'm excited, or I was excited when they announced that the Switch would have access to indie games. Mm -hmm. uh, that was huge for me, especially being portable. Because so many of these indie games, you really only see release on the PC. And right. I, I love that. But a game like, uh, let's say, Moonlighter. Okay, it's really easy, kind of like you, you own a shop and you buy and sell items. You go into a little dungeon and you collect items and you sell them in your store. It's super basic, really cute, but you know I don't need my freaking huge PC to run this game and I'd love to play it in the car, you know? Mm -hmm. so no, for I, sure. Yeah. Um, especially a big developer like Nintendo getting on board with it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's the perfect confluence of both effects like mm. having the big developers with the resources and the indie designers um, able to get their products out there and able to grow is yeah. definitely a good thing yeah for sure for sure i i remember seeing almost the opposite with the wii u i think nintendo really like hurt themselves with that because no one wanted to, to develop a game for it because they mm -hmm. had to figure out what to do with the second screen yeah they're, so yeah i think they're you know they turned it around a little bit which is good but i think actually 
uh, looking forward, uh, indie development is going to be huge for VR, I think. Because, oh, okay. Um, a lot of mainstream developers, I don't think, are jumping into that right yet because, you know, Call of Duty sure. um, is its thing and it probably wouldn't work very well in VR because you wouldn't be as mobile and as fast, as jumpy. Yeah. Um, Dark Souls and stuff like that, you know, first person would be cool, but as you've probably seen from these VR yeah. uh, first person like hack and slash games, it's not right. very, it's, it's not the same. Yeah. But unique ideas, uh, different things, even Half Life Alex has integrated it into their puzzles um mm. being with steam all these different developers being able to get their hands on the tools the pc is easy to dev for um it's gonna be pretty huge i hope yeah yeah no it's that's a great topic literally my next question was about vr so it's a great transition well, there we go yeah uh my i was really the general question is what are your thoughts on vr how do you feel about it so i've played it a handful of times think it's super cool um okay. it's another way to enjoy games um, in New York, there was actually an arcade uh, for VR. So you went in, you paid like 40 bucks, and you had the whole day to just jump between machines. Wow. Um, and that was a couple of years ago. So there wasn't a lot of games. There was like 20 games, but, you know, super hot VR worked pretty well. Um, there was like one where you went into space and you were like painting and basically infinite space, which was incredible. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how competitive it's going to be because, like I said, with shooters, um, it's mm. kind of hard to move around in VR. You can't really go very far. You have to, like, point at the ground and click a button, and then you kind of teleport there. Um, but yeah. I'm not developing the games. I just know that people who are super smart are going to be doing it and have really good ideas. So there's so much to look forward to. And I'm definitely going to build my next PC around VR almost exclusively. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm i excited about VR for sure. And... I haven't had any experience similar to what you were just talking about, but I would love to. I think that's super cool. I I read a lot of books and I've seen even, you know, there's a really popular one that became a movie is Ready Player One, where these mm. kind of VR worlds or this future of Earth becomes kind of VR centric. Do you think that we would see something like that in our lifetime? Or do you think we're, we're not quite in that generation where that's a, a lifetime possibility? I think we could. A lot of people in this quarantine with the way that their jobs are evolving are sort of complaining about the limits of video conferencing mm. um, because you know you're not with your people the internet's shoddy which is always gonna be a problem but sure. you just feel disconnected you're looking at somebody or you're looking at fucking freaking 12 people sure. on a screen in little boxes it's not the same but if you could have you know maybe a conference remotely with everybody in vr um that'd be pretty cool um, yeah People are going to have to get on. Maybe we'll have smaller headsets that don't play games, but they just do like one room, like a conference room. It's a business thing. Um, sure. And you buy it. It's got a processor. It's got a little video card. Mm. And you can, you know, you can do your conferences like that because I think this quarantine actually is going to change the way that work happens uh, in the United States yeah. and hopefully the world. I, I think people deserve to be home more. Yeah. So I'd like to see that in my lifetime. I think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I... I love that concept for sure. There was a, a book I was reading and it's actually on the same kind of idea. It was, you know, futuristic and VR is a big thing and it kind of devolves into the main character, you know, living in a VR world, whatever. Mm. But one of the lines from that book that I really appreciated and I, I, I actually I want to see in the next year how we handle this is he said, once we realized our work could all be done on a tablet, everyone carried their work around with them everywhere and tablets mm. became outlawed because people never stopped working. 
And, yeah, that's sort of been yeah. the problem with email too. You know, people go on vacation are still expected to right. email and look at their phone once in a while. And, I mean, that's sort of more of a workplace culture thing than a sure. technology issue, I think. Sure. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see both ends. I'm I'm interested, and I feel the same way with uh, coronavirus. I think there's there's going to be some positive changes that are going to come out of this because mm-hmm. you know we've almost need not necessarily needed this push, but you know we've needed a reason to have this change and i think we finally have that reason yeah uh, can i make one uh related point that yeah the please five do. people listening should hear please do um not serious but when you do play vr don't play racing games mm. um off the top of your head sounds super awesome sounds okay. like it'd be, a, it'd be like the best purpose for vr yeah but you know you strap into the little vr car you put the headset on and the way that your brain reacts to not moving, but perceiving that it's moving, is to oh, vomit immediately. Wow. Um, and I learned that at the arcade in New York. Cameron and I sat down. He said, this is going to be super cool. Like, VR racing it just right. makes perfect sense. And I smacked into a wall, and I was just, like, going to die. It was, it was wow. horrible. I took off the headset and walked away. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I, I would never don't play that. Don't play racing. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I would never think of that as a as an issue, but you're probably right. There's, I'm sure there's something to do with our brains not moving, but perceiving movement. That's yeah, crazy. I read that like your brain thinks you're poisoned, so it oh. tries to vomit. Um, could be true. Either way, it doesn't work. Either way, yeah, either either way, <laughs> there still needs to be some technological. I don't care about the cause. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. We still need some advancements in uh, in development before we can get yeah. to VR racing games. I love it. Yeah, I remember, I think one of the books I had read, they talked about their technology, you know, in this fictitious world was to intercept the uh, signals to your brain. So you're kind of like almost like in a comatose state on your bed and the technology intercepts, you know, instead of moving your hand in real life, you move it in the game because it's intercepting your, you know, neuro pathways or whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that, but you know, that's a fictitious solution to the moving, not moving. Yeah. Or maybe like, uh, induced lucid dreaming kind of thing. Like sure. if you could stimulate the brain in a certain way and make it sort of yeah. be like a symbiotic thing where the brain tells the computer what to do and the computer then puts signals into the brain that could be cool but yeah i don't know about our, our lifetimes i don't know yeah yeah and i'm sure like there's so much i mean even legally like you know how yeah. <laughs> people people don't want their emails read like you know so there's no way you're gonna plug in and have your brain waves analyzed mm-hmm. um so yeah same topic though vr still on vr do you feel because this is kind of a, a struggle and a not an argument necessarily I have with myself, but it's an internal monologue I have of mm-hmm. is VR escapism? Uh, I don't think it's more escapism than games are. Okay. Okay. I, at least in my experience when I'm playing, you know, it, it's more immersive in a way you feel sure. more uh, connected to the world and the space around you. Um, but like video games are just a way to sort of forget what's going on in the world. Um, and think about something different, you know, get into a strategy with the boys or uh, take on another life in uh, The Witcher or, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing. Right. Um, 
and there are people who use video games as like an unhealthy coping mechanism and really want to forget what's going on in their mm. lives. Um, and VR, I don't think, is any different. Sure, sure. Yeah, I part part of what you know I, I was trained in in college is is leading people in an outdoor setting, and a lot of that involves risk. And as as you know, I'm a rock climber, and you're a rock climber, and mm-hmm. we've both experienced the joys of rock climbing. Uh, when you are outside and climbing, there's real risk involved with any actions you do. I mean, if, you know, if I set up my anchors incorrectly, there's mm-hmm. very very quick consequences to actions there. Uh, I I wonder how video games are affecting the kids that we're raising in the context of there really isn't any failure in video games. Like yeah. there, uh, yeah. I'll leave I'll leave it at that. How do you feel about that? Um, that's why I want my kids to play Dark Souls. Okay. Because I think in Dark Souls, at least in my experience, it was the first game I played where I really had to think to get through it. Yeah, I think that my kids should play Dark Souls because there are times where you have armor um, and you're in an area. And so you have to read the certain armor to see that it gives you great poison resistance. And even if you're like a big tanky dude, you want to switch to those tattered rags that give you poison resistance to get through the area. Mm. And that's just one of many times in Dark Souls where you come across a problem you think about it for a while, you try different approaches, um, and then it makes you successful. And that sort of resilience is something that I think uh, games can teach. Um, there's a lot of other things that games do for you, but that's one thing that I want my kids to do with Dark Souls is learn about failure and learn about, um, you know, there's a way through every problem, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I A big part of, I think, life is failure, and I think a big part of growth is failure. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's rare to find a game where failure means a whole lot. But you're right. Dark Souls definitely has that feel. I know, like, Barony and these roguelike games where you die and it, that's game over. Uh, mm-hmm. I, for sure, I think I'm drawn to those games because I don't want to play as risky as I might you know, in a game where I'm just going to respawn in 10 seconds, like, you know, I'll do what I want. And yeah. So I I think, I think that's a great take on it. I think exposing your children to games that have a higher level of consequence um, can help learning in a safer environment, you know? Right. And yeah, it's definitely not the same as going out and actually like learning a life lesson. Sure. But you know, I think everybody, it's just a result of their experiences and these little things that you might not even realize are affecting you have yeah. affected your life in a, a positive or negative way. Uh, one thing you just said about the life lessons um, and the way that the kids learn from failure and everyone learns from failure, even you know, at 25, I, sure. I have failed um, in you know, things for work or like getting a new job. I had to work on certain things and I, and I did and it took me a while, but I overcame it. Um, there's a quote that I heard from an ex Navy SEAL it goes like um, one great success or somebody who's very successful is the result of unspectacular preparation oh. or spectacular success is the result of unsuccessful. Unsu- oh, sorry. The spectacular success is the result of unspectacular preparation. Um, mm. That's not a word, but it means, you know, right. That guy who's a Navy SEAL who you might look up to in high school because you know, strong and fast and resilient um, has done 
you know, 5,000 pull-ups and right. has suffered and has read a bunch. Right. Um, every CEO, every um, priest you might look up to has like studied and been through things and probably failed at some point in their career path and they had to find a way around it. Mm. Um, I, I think a lot of people our age feel entitled to success in a way. Mm. Um, and they don't realize you, know, you have to be sort of in the dirt and nobody's praising you. Nobody even knows you're doing it. You're doing it for yourself. Um, and if you don't do it, you're not going to be successful. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I've seen similar feelings and beliefs for sure. I I always give people the example of exercising. I will work out till I'm in shape and then forget mm-hmm. that the working out is what got me in shape. Right. I'll think to myself, oh, I'm in shape now. Therefore, I do not need to work out any longer. Yeah. Or like for you specifically, you know, you come to the rock gym with people who are new. Right. And everyone's like, oh, I'll never be as good as Dan. Right. It's like, well, Dan has been climbing for years in his free time. Right. Um, He didn't just show up and get there. You know, he's bought the hangboard. He's fucking nursed calluses. He's used his lunch break to climb. Yeah. And, you know, that's that. Yeah, right. So many times I have friends that are just like, oh, man, like you're so good at this. And it's funny because I I don't feel that good at rock climbing because I have like the people I hang out with have been climbing since they were infants, you know? Right. And so, you know, it's it's always perspective. You look up and you're like, whoa, those people are so much better. And um, you're right. It's, it's all about where you're at. I mean, even gaming wise, like we were just talking about this with Valorant. There are people who are so good at valorant like Mm -hmm. shroud is a known name and the man is crazy at any first person shooter because he's been clicking on heads since he was (laughs) like four years old right and i think that shroud um and like those pro cs guys if you watch one thing i like about valorant is if you watch them they get crushed by the developers who Mm. might not aim as well but they use their abilities so effectively Mm. um you know, when you get rushed on a site, if you slow them down and wait for your team to get there, you have a much better chance of success than, you know, trying to get three headshots by yourself. Yeah. And I like that about Valorant. Yeah. No, I, I feel that same way. I'm I'm always drawn to games that involve strategy. Uh, I find the challenge to my mental state much better than simply, ah, I can't shoot as well as you. Right. Um, and like I, you know, I'm I'm slightly calling out racing games here, but I've never been good at racing games, and I feel mm-hmm. like it's just like you gotta play until you're good, and then you'll beat everybody else. <laughs> right. If, if you, I I don't like racing games that much either. I don't find them very interesting. But I love Mario Kart. Sure. Because the RNG is hysterical. Yeah. Um, and the people who turn off items in Mario Kart are too sweaty for me. I don't <laughs> want to talk to you. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. I, I remember even, you know, when I was younger and I'd have friends who are so into Super Smash Brothers that they're like, there's definitely no items on Super Smash Bros. And I'm like, I get mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm glad you love this game. But like, you know, let the guy, a.k.a. me, who's going to lose every game, like, let me get the hammer once so I can get yeah. a kill. Like, you know, show me some mercy. And, and Smash is a place for it. Like, if yeah. you're, like literally trying to practice your character and you want to be on that YouTube compilation video, like, right. yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, when we have five people on one TV and we are, you know, 10 o'clock at night on a, on a Friday, just basically half asleep, 
turning on items is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I've often said that my choice of superpower would be the ability to load and save life like a video game. Uh-huh. So, you know, Skyrim, you got infinite save slots. If you could do that, what's one thing that you would do right now if you had, like, the risk-free, there's, you know, full take back, you can load your save file, never happened. What's the one thing you'd do? I have no idea where I would start, yeah. um, but I'd probably just try and do everything I could. Um, yeah. If you have that unlimited time to, like, pursue noble goals, but also do chaotic stuff, I sure. think that'd be kind of a blast yeah yeah I've, that's why i love it i've always thought it'd be so fun like you could spend an entire lifetime like we're talking about with these skills that take time to learn you could spend a whole lifetime learning how to play piano and right. you know then load your freaking 16 year old like birthday party save file <laughs> and pull out you know mozart's whatever and just crush it on the piano um, yeah for sure and so yeah i think you know that I think that's why I have that draw to that superpower is it's the time investment. You want to be good at something, you got to put the time in. And mm -hmm. you're right. I think our our generation and and even the younger generation I see sometimes too the they want the end result, but they don't want the time to be put in. Yeah, um, and I think that um, if you just acknowledge that, like you don't have infinite time on this earth. Yeah. So yeah, instead of saying like, oh, I'll never be that good, and kind of putting off practice immediately. Just, yeah maybe like i don't have the inclination to do that sure. um and that's that's fine i think but i think that the mentality that you're not good enough to even attempt something is is dangerous yeah yeah i would i would totally agree i i've changed my way of thinking rather recently and i i started drawing again and i was trying to draw this certain thing and it just wasn't looking the way i wanted and it was getting really frustrated and i realized i the way i want to start thinking is in 20 years, I'll probably be better at drawing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's probably not going to be tomorrow. It probably might not even be next year. But by the time I'm 45, I'm going to have some pretty fire drawings if I keep drawing every right. day. And so, you know, you start to think that way and then pick the thing that you want to be good at. Like, if you want to be good at first-person shooters, then play a first-person shooter for an hour a day until you're 20, until you're 25, mm -hmm. what, you know, whatever. Like, play it each day and you're... I, you will get better. You may not be shroud, but you will get better. Yeah. You have to be. You have to have realistic goals, but right. right. Um, everything comes with time, especially skills like that that are going to yeah. serve you well when you're older. And creativity yeah. is important too. Right. So for definitely, sure. for sure. Uh, to kind of wrap it up, I I want to ask you a last question here. Out of mm -hmm. all of the games that you have played, which one do you think has affected your real life the most? Hmm. I think I'm going to go back to Dark Souls on that one for sure. Because sure. sure. um, something I, I took my time with, I savored it, um, I checked every nook and cranny, and did everything my own way, um, and I felt like afterward I just had a, a different perspective, a more resilient perspective. It could also be because I was reading Meditations at the time, sure. um, which is a great little 95-page piece of ancient philosophy super easy to comprehend it's all about you know if you are a person there are things outside of your control but mm. the things you can control you have to acknowledge them and go after them um yeah. so being able to you know in dark souls go back um, acknowledge my failures fix them 
and reading that book at the same time in like a very formative state of like post-college life uh, definitely helped me become, I think, a more resilient person and somebody who can uh, like compartmentalize events. So if something's not affecting me, I don't feel like I have to worry about it so much. Um, I don't get stressed out about things I can't control either. Like even if they do affect me, if I really have no control over it, then I have to move on yeah. and I have to do something different. Yeah. No, that's huge. Uh, I think in a environment where gaming really encourages control, you know, you are the main character always. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's a great lesson to take away from gaming is that you can't be in control of all things all the time. And, yeah, and if you aren't, like, if someone's better than you, you can't get upset about it. Yeah. yeah. You have to just keep playing and keep working hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Wes, thank you so much for uh, coming over to the old island, the interview of the island here. Uh, you were a great guest, and I am excited to uh, upload this video and, you know, see where we go from here and, of course, play more games with you. You are a, a yeah, staple man. of the gaming brotherhood. So. Oh, stop. <laughs> That's got to be our clan name. Um, no, this it. was really fun. I, I think you asked some great questions that I wasn't expecting. Thank you. Um, about gaming culture and my life in general. I felt engaged, and I'm sad it's over yeah Honestly. yeah hey well look you know if we get more than five people to watch maybe we can do a, a, a west 2.0 <laughs> not just about me but you know no, more questions as life goes on we, we tied this yeah. into the virus we tied this into the future yeah. of work and vr and right it's it's a good conversation that haven't had many of those since we've been trapped inside all day yeah no i mean the the goal here for me is to engage the friends that i have and the people that i game with um in the gaming culture but also into whatever's happening around us and how that affects us both as gamers and as friends so yeah sure so on that note i'm gonna go hop in valorant <laughs> Sounds see good. you later yeah i think i might join you <laughs> <laughs> i will talk to you later wes bye 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 hey there everybody thanks for watching that interview with my good friend wes we are in, as I affectionately called, the Gaming Brotherhood. Not really a real thing or even a real title that we actually use, but he's among my closest friends and one person I game with often. My plan with these interviews is to bring my friends in and just engage them via questions, both with their personal experience with gaming and you know, gaming culture as a whole. I think you saw a little bit in this video what my hopes and my goals are for these kind of interviews. I'm using Animal Crossing as my medium since it's kind of the safe, easy way for us to have these kind of podcast-like interviews, but not do it in person. And this way we're still using, you know, the medium of gaming. So you'll have these videos posted on YouTube, and then I plan to also post the audio as a podcast. If anyone has a good idea for a name, go ahead and leave a comment because I'm not quite sure what I want to name it yet, but I think it'll be fun to interview my friends and to try to engage gaming culture while we spend time playing Animal Crossing and chatting about life and what's going on around us and how gaming affects that and us as individuals. Thank you so much for watching and I hope you really enjoyed it. Leave a comment, let me know what you think, and I'll see you in the next one.